Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. My name is Paula Favor. I'm here with my Ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. Today is uh, Friday, the 19th of May, 2023. We're just cooking right along in this year. It's getting hotter, and uh, I'm glad to get the pollen out of the way. Uh, and today we're just, uh, I always say we're shifting gears, but uh, don't we always do that? Fill in, fill in voids. Yeah, fill in the voids. That's kind of our, uh, our niche, our niche uh, with our publishing and also with this podcast is uh, kind of covering a lot of the um, the voids that are out there. And uh, one of the things that we've, uh, I know, uh, as a former team sergeant, and I think you can speak to this also, is there's a void out there. There's been a void for a long time uh, in, in uh, respect to having something in your hands. Uh, hey, tag, you're it. You've been tapped. You're going to be a team sergeant. And then what do you do? You freak. You yeah. hit the books. <laughs> you know, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's it's not, I don't think you and I, either one of us are, are, are trying to pick on, you know, the warriors of today or anything like that. I, I first started noticing a, um, a deficiency, if you will, in, in the leadership, especially in the non-commissioned officer side, as the Vietnam veterans retired out of the military. There, yeah. there was... Anybody that was in the military during that time when we had pretty much every platoon sergeant, pretty much every first sergeant, certainly every sergeant major was a Vietnam vet, knows what I'm talking about. As those guys uh, retired, we started seeing the leadership and sort of the, um, those, those, that, that wealth of knowledge and experience that those guys had that, 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 were, that was getting passed down through the young ranks uh, we started seeing it sort of a decline of efficiency sort of steadily happening over year after year after year. Yeah, I agree. To, to the point now where, uh, thank God, you know, a guy like Tom comes along, okay, our next guest here, uh, and recognizes this. And, and, and he himself, you know, felt it. And he's like, dude, I wish I'd had a handbook. I wish I'd had something, okay? Yeah. So true. And, and, you know, Tom, thank you for doing it. Yeah, Tom, welcome to the podcast. This is uh, Tom, sooner to be retired Kelly uh, is a veteran of uh, 10 Special Forces Group. Has also served in uh, JFK SWIC uh, out in the Asmonia Tactics course as instructor, as a uh, senior cadre. And uh, so, Tom, uh, what uh, what made you want to write uh, the soon-to-be-released Team Sergeant Handbook? What <laughs> You know, uh, I mean, apart from what we just said, there was nothing out there. But, I mean, what else uh, motivates you to do that? Well, first off, guys, thanks for having me on the podcast. Appreciate uh, inviting me on and wanting to hear my story. And, of course, wanting to publish the book. Appreciate that, too. Um, So what led me to write this? um, One of my guys. I mean, it was just one of those chance encounters. I was done with Team Sergeant Time. I was at the – I was moving out of the mountain locker. I was – running at 10th group for the mountaineering school there. And uh, one of my guys hit me up because he had made the yeet list. He's like, hey, man, can we sit down and I just pick your brain and see what's going on? I'm like, yeah, cool. So we set a date, uh, you know, a week later or so. And, like, after that phone call, I was like, well, I don't want to just sit there and give him some BS. Well, let me write some things down. You know, let's go and organize. So it just started flowing. Ended up with, like, seven, you know, college rule notebook pages of just, line after line of like do's and don'ts and some general rules and hey make sure you read these manuals and this is how you put together it just started flowing so after that conversation um i had those notes and then anytime i had the opportunity to reach out to any of my other guys who were picking up for aid or um at my new job at the time was uh lno for 519 so i was the, the active duty advisor if you will for the national guard guys and every once once in a while 
the E7s, make an E8, going down to take a team. I'd just sit down. It just became a thing. And they're like, man, you should write a book. And I'm like, no, that'll never happen. <laughs> and here you are. Yeah, boom. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. Now, um, when those guys would come up to you, Tom, can you be like, hey, listen, do you have a minute? Okay. Um, I'm sure you're thinking back at when you were in their book and when you were in their shoes. Um, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking that maybe this list probably developed first out of you realizing, damn, this is all the crap that I wish somebody would have told me. Yes. I mean, is that, is that pretty much it? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that was, that's what it was. It was like, dang. I mean, every time I had that conversation with someone or I'm sitting there and I'm reading one of Paul's books or even Kyle Lamb's Leadership in the Shadows, name a leadership book that I've read, and I'm like, dang it. <laughs> I wish I would have done that. Or And then I would add it to my list. And then soon enough, it became 30 pages. And I think the, the copy I gave you initially was like yeah. 70 pages or something. Yeah. And now we're looking at 300. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is probably a book. I mean, I'm just guessing that's probably a lot like uh, you know, Paul's SUT handbook that could easily be over 500 if you really wanted, mm-hmm. you know, to put everything in there and, you know, you have to make, you have to make cuts because there's just so much, there's really so much information that you really want to yeah. put in this book, but you have to, you really have to focus on the stuff that you just, that these guys just absolutely have to have. Yeah. So the, so the book was like, uh, and that's kind of, uh, kind of how we've done everything. Our whole, whole existence with uh, bookmaking is, Gosh, I wish there were, existed a book like that, and it just started from there. And then, um, so here's the other question: uh, You have, I mean, you're looking at you know a blank screen on a computer, right? And you're populating this thing with uh, prep, prepositions and and uh, good to know stuff. What was like? Uh, how did all all that start? Like, how did you like uh, flesh this out? Like, hey, what are the major components of this thing that I want to? I want to get yeah, I mean, kind of like maybe the top three yeah. things that you were just like, you know, these are just absolute. You have to have this stuff. Wow, I, I can't even think back that far. <laughs> <laughs> and it's for, grown and grown, so it's for like, our listeners too. We're talking about the Special Forces Team Sergeant. We're talking about the 18 Zulu. We're talking about. Uh, I would say, I would argue, the pinnacle job in SF. Uh, no discredit to our our sergeants major out there. But, uh, you know, that, this is really uh, the high point. Yeah, it's, it absolutely is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, when you've arrived as an enlisted man, as an NCO, and now... The, the, the guy who's yeah. really running the team, the that's really keeping it all together. Yeah. So not, not a, uh, a light subject, not a light topic, very important. So to answer your question, Mike, I think I started off with, you know, just some generals of the road. And actually, still, Chapter 1 is, t- is titled that, so that's kind of stuck through. And, you know, just the, the basics of, um, I gave my story, which was yeah. I was promoted from the 18 Fox position and stayed on the team. So I was already burrowed up with everyone. I was I already had my relationships there, and I tended to lean on those versus detaching myself as the leader so I can make the hard decisions at the right time, making sure to take the correct path, not the easy, wrong path. Um, so I think my first year was pretty rough as I finally learned how to transition out of that position, out of that mindset. You, you brought up a, you brought up a, a, an interesting uh, point there. And that is, um, the familiarity, right? The, the, the sort of, um, you know, in a lot of times in the infantry, oh, it's Tom. well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, a lot of times in the infantry, okay. Or in, in a lot of different combat arms type MOS is they, they specifically will take that guy. Let's just say that E4, that specialist. Okay. He goes to the E5 board. Um, he gets promoted, they immediately will snatch him out of that environment, put him over into another platoon, mm-hmm. and he comes in, and there's some advantages to that. Yeah. You, you had to battle that because uh, you're in the same team. I mean, you're in a totally different relationship. Um, yeah. re- you have different relationships with all these guys. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you, now you're, you know, sometimes you have to be the big heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to lay down the law. It's like, you know, we're, we're, we're still friends, but this is what has to happen. Right. And I definitely had some issues with that transition. I I cover it pretty well. I, I don't go into too much detail. I don't hang out all the dirty laundry to air out to show everyone in the world. But I definitely bring up, uh, 
like all my stories are focused on my perspective and how I, hand, I handled it. I'm not just throwing people's names in the dirt or bringing up, you know, anything bad. It's just, hey, this is an example of whatever point I'm trying to drive home. For, for a guy who finds himself um, in that situation where you, you're, you know, you're just stuck where you're at. I mean, you, you're now you're in charge of these guys. And listen, that could happen in combat, too. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy can take it through the running lights. Now you're in charge. Um, what are some, what's some of the advice that, that you've learned and, and you would give somebody, uh, that can't, you know, isn't going to start fresh in a new unit. He's now in charge of his friends. It's simple, but it's not right. It's uh, a little bit of simple advice as, Hey, it's almost a physical step back. You almost, it, it, should, it comes right down to detachment. You have to say, Hey guys, you know, we're still buds. But at the same time, I'm going to have to make really hard calls. So you got to stop hanging out with them, going over. It's one thing to throw a team party and everyone shows up, you know, wives and family and stuff. But you don't follow them to the next bar. You know, you don't hang out with them. You can be overseas and you can definitely go out. You got to herd the cats, but you're not going shot for shot with them. You know, those kind of things. You have to pull yourself back and make the hard calls. So that's step one. Now, now did yeah. you have did you have a conversation? Do you recommend having a conversation like you just said? I mean, do you recommend saying, hey, guys, I mean, this is kind of the relationship's going to be a little different here? Uh, I mean, you know, every team's different. Every personality's different. Um, I, I would recommend that, to actually have that conversation out loud. You know, uh, this is what happened to me. Sergeant Major came down, uh, knocked on the door, came in, walked up, and he said, hey, Tom, you made the promotion list. And you're in charge. So, yeah. And he walks out. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> that was a pretty quick conversation. <laughs> All right. I was like, awesome. Hey, thanks, thanks for the <laughs> advice, too. Appreciate it. So, yeah. 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 All those pointers. I just yeah. got there. Yeah. So, the team was already mustered up. We were all in the team room anyway. So, I'm like, hey, guys, gather around. Cool. Um, you obviously know who I am. And um, I threw out some some things I wanted to focus on. Hey, yep. Sergeant Major just made it official. I'm Team Sergeant. But, uh, um, at no point did I say anything along the lines of, hey, I'm going to pull back. I'm not, I'm not going to hang out with you guys as much or however you want to phrase that. But in your own voice, in your own words, whatever it means to you, just to say those words, kind of draw that line. Not a hard line in, this, yeah. in, the, in dirt or nothing. But. I, I like to think, um, because SF is a little more mature organization, um, that your fellow teammates kind of understand the fact that you're in a different role now and should uh, kind of help you out with that. I'm not sure if that's always the case, but you'd like to, you'd like to think that if you are thrown in that kind of situation like you were, that your fellow teammates might be like, hey, this is going to be a little different. We need to kind of support the guy. Yeah, yeah I, I believe it is. I, yeah. Today from when I got in, uh, obviously I'm a little younger than you guys, so I showed up in 2004, 10th group. Um, I was the youngest guy by almost a decade and obviously it wasn't a full team like it is now. Um, actually, I think that's starting to trend back down to smaller teams just due to, uh, uh, you know, Watts over. So not as much interest in plussing up the teams and as much coming into selection versus the Q course and all that. But, um, being the youngest guy, uh, showing up just that maturity level coming from the infantry to showing up to an SF team, I was like, holy smokes. I need to put on my game face here. This is real. Like every day is a struggle to be, uh, what's that? What's like my favorite saying there is, I would never work so hard to be average. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, now, I'm not, now you brought up something else. You came out, you came from the infantry. Yes. So you had, you had had some background. Tell us about some of your, um, as far as like what, what leadership skills and leadership experience did you bring with you when you, Finally, you know, came over to the, the dark side over there. So. <laughs> when I quit, that's all my everybody said. Yeah. Quit, quit the hard stuff. Um, so I pinned E5 right when I PCS. So my leadership time was, as you know, that uh, the Sham Shield E4. Uh, but I was nice. a, gun, a gun team leader. And then I moved up to RTO. Um, never did any squad leader time. I didn't have that traditional fire team leader role because I was on the weapon squad for the last year. But you so. did experience it. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said, but by experiencing it also, um, especially as a young trooper, right? 
um, having that skill level one uh, crazy uh, E5 in, in the crack of your butt okay, at all pretty, times. At all times. <laughs> um, you learn kind of like how not to do it, mm-hmm. and then you also kind of learn how to do it also. Uh, was that valuable? Did you, did you find that valuable? Uh, yeah, I learned a whole lot of what I didn't want to do when I was put in charge next. <laughs> For sure. And, that, and that's worth something, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can you can walk away from any situation, any book you read, any class you go and sit down, any conversation you have, you can walk away and be like, cool. Yeah, I, I think something. all of us I think all of us that 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 were in that E five position, um <laughs> we, we we were all horrible. I mean really I mean that's that is just that's that's where you um you know, you, you have absolutely no maturity and a little bit of power. Yes. And Dangerous. It, and it shows. <laughs> the, you know, they have the term, right, the spec for mafia. I'm sure you were part of that as well. Absolutely. Sham shields for life. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, so so there you are. You've got a uh, tag you're it. you got that moment where the star major comes in and says, hey, Tom, you're in charge. Uh, and then at that point, uh, I mean, you showed up with what you got. I mean, that's it. you got those experiences. <laughs> There, there was no Team Sergeant Manual. There's no Team Sergeant Handbook. Uh, you got some stuff in, like, uh, you know, B-Knock and, well, P-Knock and B-Knock and whatever they call them these days, uh, you know, Warriors Course and all that stuff. And then, uh, so what were the, I, I imagine you would you, you would think uh, in the roller decks, roller decks of your memory, some of the role models. And then maybe there was, uh, maybe you went back in your mind to some Team Sergeants that you had. And you're like, okay, this this was good, and I want to take that because that's kind of what I did. Maybe you did the same thing. I was like, hey, I want to, I want to take uh, my first team sergeant was David Samano, uh, great uh, barrel chested freedom fighter, first group guy. This was, uh, uh, you know, a guy I really looked up to, and uh, and and so a lot of the things that I try to pattern my team sergeant role after would be like, hey, I want to be at least like that, like whatever categories there were. Did you have, I mean, imagine you, you kind of did the same thing. Um, definitely I did. Um, going going back in time, and you, you sent me these questions, and thank you for doing yeah. that ahead of time, so I could actually sit and stew on that. And this was one of the tougher ones, because yeah. I, I think back, and I'm like, I, I pulled so many things from so many different people that yeah. I believe I incorporated, or now sitting here with this book, wish I would have incorporated. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I've I've got a big list of guys. Pretty much every team sergeant up and down the hallway in Charlie County Third Battalion, Tenth Group, uh. were fantastic humans. Uh, everyone had their own quirks and did things differently. And some were screamers, some were super quiet and reserved. And I just remember observing all those and like, man, I want to do a little bit of this, a little bit of this, kind of like going to the buffet line and just loading up the plate. Yeah. Right. So that's what I remember. Um, my first team sergeant, uh, like one of the great things that I pulled away from him was rehearsals. Like rehearse it into the ground so you can do it in your sleep and everyone can do every position, right? Just like CQB, but apply that to every battle drill. That's what That was his uh, methodology coming to training, and I took that away. I'm like, absolutely, you run it into the ground. Um, bad, to- uh, bad situations were he, he liked to get in it. Every MOS, you know, walk up, hey, I'm... I'm Bob, you're 18 Echo. We're going to cover this radio system day for MOS cross training. And then by the end of the class, it's like, wait, what's the team start doing? <laughs> he wasn't even an Echo when he took over the class. So, like those little things. <laughs> he was a super smart dude and he yeah. knew what he was saying, but it's like, there's a time. There's a time when you really, you know, as the leader, right? You have to back up and just let others do it. Yes. And I, yeah. that comes up multiple times. Because yeah. I may or may not have jumped in and took over something. Yeah. But anyway, so That's those a, are two examples from my first team, sergeant that I, I'm like, absolutely taking this. And yeah, we're not going to do that, hopefully. Yeah. So, yeah, that's like that old expression if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well uh, all over your subordinate's shoulder as you do it. You know, it's so, it's so funny because you know, you're, you're talking about like, this uh, in the military application is kind I did of. That too. It's kind of easy to to for all of us to understand, yeah. but I have found, and I, I, Tom, you got kids? Yes. I have found that I have to do this at in my home in my personal life because <laughs> I like my yard mowed a certain way. Yes. 
Um, <laughs> and it's very hard to put my kid on the riding mower and watch him doing some crazy crap. <laughs> right? That's but, so you know, it's funny, but it's just it's just really these are applicable anywhere. Um, you really just sometimes have to, if you're going to develop others, right, you have to, like, just as a skill set, you're going to have to step back and just, like, not be the control freak. Right. Hey, so I have a good quote there. It's from uh, uh, Thomas Edward Lawrence, T. Lawrence, The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. And he says, I think it's very applicable here. He says, it's better that the Arabs do it tolerably uh, than you do it perfectly. So it's kind of like, you know, all right, so the Junior Bravo, I'll just pick on him. All right, he's doing it. And Junior Bravo, I know you're listening right now. You know who you are. <laughs> but he's doing it. And it's like, okay, that's not exactly how I would do it, but it's getting done. Right. And um, it's stretching him. Mm-hmm. And then it's also stretching me so I can go, okay, uh, that's not exactly right. But then, but yeah, I, I the, the long story is uh, I could have got voted off the island because the first three months I was a micromanager. Yeah, and, and I had to have somebody else reel me in, like, "Hey, bro, let's have lunch. Hey, let's hey, talk." Tom, Tom, you uh, yeah. you did SUT, right? I mean, you taught small unit tactics, if if not in the course uh, downrange. <laughs> um, but isn't that a lot of times what we do, just sort of instinctively in SUT? Is like you, you'll be watching it, and you're like, "Oh, this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a, yeah. a complete clown car." Yeah. And you just yeah. be quiet. You sit off there because you got the great AAR comments. They're going to come afterwards, and you already know where they're going. You already know these guys are going to completely mess it up. And sometimes you just got to do that in leadership. Right. right. Yeah, it's it is extremely difficult, yeah. uh, especially as a team concerned or in any leadership position, or even with your kids at the house, like you said, Mike, to watch them sprint to failure. Now, obviously, <laughs> stepping in and stopping something for safety. I fully support that. I've had to do it. Yeah. My t- bosses had to, you know, pull in the reins before I sprinted off the cliff. Um, but at the same time, you got to let them learn that hard lesson yeah. because failure is one of the best teachers out there. Oh, yeah. I think uh, that's really um, like talking about the role. Just it, it really like uh, it's kind of the essence of the team's our role. It's part of that is you're the guy that's uh, – I mean, if you could just break that down for a second – some people may not understand you know, the role of the team sergeant. Maybe we could just, you know, that's always a good use of time. Is uh, this is the senior NCO on the team, on the ODA, on the A team? This is the guy that uh, may have the most experience, usually, generally, yeah. generally speaking, and it's the guy that can. Uh, he says that sound that briefed well, but that's not going to work. He's the guy that looks at the big picture and goes, "That's we're going to get all killed if we do it like that." You know, and then not only that, but then not only the sniff test on the operational stuff, but but then the battle rhythm, you know, the the you know every the daily tasks and uh, you know all that stuff. I mean, maybe you could just if you could just break that down just for a second. It's kind of like uh, uh, like one day in the life of Tom Kelly, you know, just pick a day and kind of what did that what did that look like? And uh, now we're really throwing you. Know, well, too, because, because it, it, and, it, and I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're, you're bringing this up and talking about this, Tom, because um, an ODA is a little bit different than like a conventional sort of military um, TO&E. And, and so the personalities are different. The yeah. amount of people is different. The skill sets are different. So you're right. What, is, what, is, what, what, is it, what exactly does a team sergeant do? Yeah. I'm not really sure. I hope I can figure it out before I finish this book. No. Um, <laughs> Nice. The, the day in the life of the team sergeant, um, it, it's magical and it's horrible all at the same time. So, yeah, it's a smaller element. You have less, you know, people under in your charge to, you know, yeah. so you're not really all the time adult daycare. You've got the maturity yeah. there with you. There's a selection process to get. So you've got the right group of dudes together. Generally, all A type personalities. Some, you know, some ringers thrown in there every once in a while. Thank you, Key Force, and. But your your day to day is just kind of um, you're either smooth coasting because you're back in the rear and you're just doing some administrative stuff because everyone has a battalion staff function and you're just functioning with paperwork, or you're prepping to go out the door to go something you know disappear for six weeks on the other side of the planet to work with a partner force. So it's anywhere from uh, smooth sailing to. I think control chaos 
is the best way. Trying to control chaos. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always thought really the team that in special forces, the way the leadership is sort of in special forces and in the soft community generally, is is closer in line with the corporate world than um, an infantry platoon, being a leader in an infantry platoon. And I think it has to do with the fact that generally in corporations in the civilian sector, you know, you're hiring specialized people to do tasks, mm-hmm. which is quite uh, similar to what we see in SOF. So I think the, the I think the the leaders that come out of the the soft community, really, in my opinion, uh, if they are successful, um, transition probably a lot uh, better, I would think, into the corporate world, the civilian sector, than maybe uh, somebody that spent their entire twenty years in the infantry or something like that. I, I, am I am, am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong. I think we get the more uh, yeah the guys that. Uh, have uh, the more we've always got the weirdos. I mean, really, the guys that go to uh, soft are weirdos. They're, yeah, they're usually the guys that just couldn't fit in, and they, you know, they were just screw ups. A lot of them, and and they're like, okay, look, I just don't like uh, all this. Uh, you know, how everything's got to be dressed right, dressed. They kind of just regimentation. Uh, yeah, and so we have that aspect. We always have the guys that uh, think outside the box, and they like to do that. And so they're uh, entrepreneurial. They're, you know, they. So I guess I can see that. that, that could, I mean, I I might be you know completely wrong here, but I, it just seems to me that yeah. if you are a successful team sergeant, yeah, I am betting, and I and I think I'll I think I'll be on the right side of that bet most of the time. That that guy would probably slip right into my yeah. business, right into my corporation, and probably get it pretty quick. I think you'll feel out the environment, you'll feel out the terrain, you'll feel out the personalities involved, and be able to adapt and probably get done what uh, needs to be done. Because in SF, just like you said, it's not you're not really going to be a successful team sergeant if you're a micromanager. If you're if you're trying to run the radios, if you're trying to run all the weapons, if you're trying to, yeah, you, know, you have to rely on others and develop that talent. Am I am I right, Tom? Yeah, that's a hundred percent. You are. You've got your fingers in everything. Yeah. You have to know what's the what the pulse is for the team, how everyone's doing, you know, how's Paul's wife doing because, you know, they just had a kid or whatever the scenario is. You have to know it all the way down into the personal lives. And then on the professional side, you have to know how to be able to counsel them because these are all hard chargers. It's 12 dudes sprinting to success or failure, depending. And that's your job is to kind of uh, give them the right and left limits and give them an end state to shoot for and be able to – professionally bring them up in the environment that, you know, they worked their butts off to get there. And now they're wanting to work even harder because they made it, right? And that's generally the case you get on a team except for a couple of duds. So I, I got a question because we've heard this complaint um, from a few few folks. Um, and that is during um, the times where it was just a crazy op tempo, Okay, teams are just are coming out of Afghanistan. They're coming back. They're going right back to Afghanistan or whatever. Okay, it was just it was a constant wartime. Uh, training was kind of put on a kind of a back burner. Uh, it was always prep for the deployment or actually involved in it doing the con ops and everything else. Um, now that a lot of the teams now are transitioning more to doing the training mission, okay, deploying over uh, and doing more of the I would say um, historical role. Of special forces, uh, a lot of guys are like, they're missing that sort of adrenaline uh, pump that they used to get, that sort of uh, uh, the thing that you get with combat always being sort of on edge. Uh, how do you manage that as a team sergeant today? And are, are, is, is that pretty difficult? These are type A personalities. These guys are used to, you know, they're, they're wanting to get after it. Now the mission's changed quite a bit, and you were, you were involved during this. I mean, yes. you've seen both sides of this. So, uh, how did you, as a team, start kind of manage the energy and sort of the, um, the expectations, if you will, of, the, of your guys? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty disappointing to, you know, throw on that last rocker, put on that E8 rank, and you go talk to battalion future plans, and you're nowhere on the good calendar. You're right. just lined up for J sets once or twice a year, and you, the other battalion in the group is getting to go downrange. So. Yeah, I was I was pretty disappointed. 
But uh, at the same time, I was like, hey, I got a job to do. We all have a job to do. These are the missions the boss needs us to go do. All right, let's learn everything we can about it. So just setting those, putting those goals in front of the guys. Hey, yeah, got it. We're not going. So this is where you got to focus. We're going to Country X. Let's learn everything about Country X. Let's start refining our skills. Let's put our uh, 18 Broadway. You know we're going to be doing XYZ ranges. Let's put together a POI that we can take down there and be proud of. Cool. Echoes. Hey, I need this. Boom, boom, boom. Just give them those small little goals so the guys can kind of get it off their mind. Hey, yeah, we're not going to Afghanistan, but at the same time, we have a job to do. So, say, so like, I mean, you've, you've talked about this too in the past, uh, which is, you know, all things, all services honorable. I mean, you kind of yeah. talked about that in previous yeah. episodes. Yeah, I mean, uh, just by what you're saying, I'm, I've been in that position where um, we're in 2001. You know, Afghanistan kicks off. We're over in uh, 110, and we're all crying our heffy bisons, <laughs> literally, as, you know, everybody goes, and mainly fifth group goes into Afghanistan, and they're like, well, we don't need you. Mm-hmm. And they didn't need 10th group at the time either, not right then and there. But uh, just that feeling like, okay, you know, for the next two years, we're just we're just going to keep doing this. So it's like, yeah, that's that's a hard thing to do. And I was an acting uh, team sergeant uh, a little bit later, but as a E seven and uh, but yeah, just that feeling of hey, look, we got a job to do. So I, I imagine that could be kind of difficult to motivate guys as a team sergeant, like hey, we're not going to go do what we wanted to do, but we're gonna we're gonna serve. And uh, you know, there's a lot of that going on now. You know, you got you know. I always tell these guys um, that come through the queue, you know, it, it won't take long before we're going to be in the next sandbox, wherever that is. Pretty good idea. But, uh, <laughs> well, we, we used to go back the same one, but, but uh, you know, just wait wait around a little bit. We'll go back. But then, uh, you know, um, the J sets are also really important. Right. You know, And I remember doing uh, – this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh, I remember once uh, the GWAT really got kicked off, uh, you know, deploying, uh, I was thinking, man, a JSET would really be nice. You know, <laughs> that would be really you know? cool. Yeah. And uh, so it's funny, you know, you're never satisfied. <laughs> yeah, but, right. Yeah. But I imagine, so I wanted to ask you about this too, is, <clears throat> you know, there's uh, there's so much that goes along. And, you know, I wanted to bring out this earlier. That's why we call it an operations sergeant. It's like, it's everything the team does. You know, it's like, you know, whatever the team does, you're the guy with your finger on the pulse. I mean, whatever it is, you're, you're the sniff test guy. You're the tasking guy. So you've got your, uh, you know, your team leader. You've got your attachment commander. He's, you know, in command of the team. But you're in charge of the team. Yep. So he's going to say, hey, we're going to do that village, and you're going to figure out how we're going to go do that village. You know, who, who's going to you know, who's going to be the first guy there? Who's going to be, you know, Whatever. Who's going to be riding on which vehicles and all that stuff? So you really have to know your team. You got a lot of leadership there. I wanted to go there just for a second with like zero in on leadership because I think uh, we've all seen that team sergeant that's like maybe not a really good leader, right? <laughs> See, I think I think uh, in some respects, Tom, you that was a benefit to you because. Uh, you're taking charge of folks that you intimately knew and you knew their, you already knew their strengths and their weaknesses. That was definitely a plus. So the tasking is a lot easier. Whereas a new guy coming in is having to figure these guys out. Yeah. And he's going to make mistakes regardless of how much he tries to get to know them. And the little bit of time that he shows up and uh, starts to sniff out the team, feel out the team, mistakes are going to be made. He's going to put the wrong guy on the wrong task and he's going to have to make adjustments on the fly. Yeah, the uh, the challenge though is uh, those guys are like, hey, it's Tom. No, uh, it, know, that's like, true. Uh, well, listen, yeah, but I've got size twelve uh, <laughs> boots and they're going up your butt. Well, let me let me yeah. ask you this, Tom. Okay, so let's just say they would have um, taken you off your team and uh, thrown you into a team that you didn't really have much familiarity with. Um, is is when is it practical uh, to rely on some of the other folks within the team to try to figure this stuff out? How would you go about doing that? Um, I've had a lot of time to think about this one because I made the statement that, hey, it'd be better to be moved instead of staying put and you know, taking charge of the guys that you grew up with. So I'm like, okay, what would you do? Well, obviously, you're going to get in there. You're going to uh, initiate with uh, uh, 
set up your initial counseling, and then that turns into the conversation. That's your first deep dive into that person's life, get to know who they are, uh, family, no family, et cetera, right? And then now you've got your seniors lined up, and you just have to, you have to give trust to gain trust. So you have to put the trust into these guys, ask the questions, hey, we've got to do task X. Who on this team do you feel is best for this task? Or who works well together? Or you start digging into the, the situation. Like, um, like I could walk in here today and be the team sergeant. We have nine more guys in here. And I just walk in and make a command decision. All right, Paul, Mike, you go do X, Y, Z. And without even knowing anything, and secretly you guys hate each other. And the job isn't going to get done because you guys are going to with the infighting. So, like, you have to start asking those questions if you're moved anyway. So that, that's my – if I would have been moved down the hall, that's how I would have approached it. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the, the dough thing here is you're uh, – as that uh, senior leader, you've got to know people. You've got to be able to read people. So it's not just like, hey, here's a body, here's a body. You know, you're picking the right body, the right guy for the right task. And, uh, you know, leadership aspect of that is just – I mean, obviously being good with people. You know, how to read them. And then, uh, you know, um, and then we've talked about this a lot, is placing, you know, marrying up the right right two guys or the right three guys for any one task. And uh, think – so it's just, the idea is you got to think that through. How important I, – I learned this late – uh, I probably didn't learn this until I was out, probably retired from the military. But how important is it for you to really know yourself uh, and be honest with it and know where your shortcomings are? And so you're not doing, you're not making boneheaded decisions. I mean, how, how important is that? And how, how do you go about doing that? Mike, I have a perfect answer for you. It is the within the first sentence of Chapter 5 on Leadership. You have to know yourself before you lead others. So that's like yeah. black and white right up front. And that was one of my big takeaways, leaving the team certain role. And then even when I was running the mountain locker in the mountain school, it was basically running an ODA. I had all the MOSs, and, but we were just very specialized in one thing we did. We didn't have to worry about any of other core. We just had a specialized thing we did. Anyway, uh, so another leadership thing I did well with slash fell on my face with. <laughs> but anyway, walking out of those two jobs right there, and then I started reading books like Small Unit Tactics and Tactical Leadership and all these other things, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. I fell on my face so hard because I didn't even know who I was before I tried to lead others. Yeah. Well, you, you brought up the SUT handbook, and there's there's one part in the SUT handbook that I, I personally consider pretty valuable, and that is the... Um, NCO officer relationship. Correct. What what did what did what did you learn and uh, with that and how did uh, how did you uh, negotiate that? Um, well, for this question, I'm going to go back to my first team sergeant, and he was more apt to throw the captain in the corner. You sign memos, you uh, brief the boss, you are up and out. This is all NCO business. So I saw that and I didn't like that. Like it just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, we're supposed to be a leadership pair. Right. Yeah. There's a clear divide and CEO and officer relationship. I knew that much, but I wanted to work with him. So we came together as a one voice to the team. It isn't just Tom running stuff or the captains doing stuff. No, I tried to do this uh, up here. Um, but for the relationship itself, um, that one's tough. Because well, well, see, now, now you said something that you wanted to work as a pair. You wanted to be a command element. Um, that's going to take quite a bit of communication and, and quite frequently. How did, how, did you, how did you do that? When, what was your – obviously, you guys are talking privately, frequently. How did you, how did you, how did you work that in? Um, well, the team room was magically set up where we sat next to each other. Like, I didn't try and sit – up on the deck and he was down the floor vice versa like i purposely put us right next to each other so everything i'm looking at everything he's looking at we're seeing each other work we're asking each other questions so it just the communication happened naturally in the work environment and then the only time we'd be split up is you know out on patrol like we're not standing next to each other or vehicles you know we're obviously separated he's in front i'm in the rear or however the convoy was set at that time so that was the only time that we were physically separated I try to put us together as much as possible so two heads can make a decision instead of 
me coming up with a boneheaded idea without a filter saying, hey, Tom, did you really think about that? <laughs> so I wanted that, that guy to help me out. Yeah, a lot of, uh, I think a lot of what I'm hearing too, Tom, is humility. Yeah, humility, not only knowing yourself, but, uh, uh, and we don't see it all the time. We didn't see it a lot with our senior leaders, but that humility, like, hey, I don't know everything, but I'm a charge, and I'm going to get the right answer somehow. You know, and, and yeah. just that, I mean, and I might, that and is might, rare. And I might trip up once in a while, but it's okay. I'm going to recover and get up and do yeah. better Do better the next time. I'm going to show the guys how to uh, fail gracefully, learn from my mistakes, analyze the mistake, move forward, yeah. and either create the SOP or let's fix this battle drill, whatever we got to do so we don't do that again. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you said I think you said it best, Tom, when you're talking about, um, you know, you're, you're going to fail. You're going to fail from time to time. So much failure. Um. I think being comfortable with that, how important is it to be comfortable with that and be real with it and not have some sort of expectation that you're just going to be the perfect team sergeant that ever graced uh, special forces? Yeah, I, I'm still looking for that guy. I, I'd love to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, some people come to that, that job sort of with that expectation oh, that yes. they need to be that, right? Absolutely. You are 100% uh, responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen on that team. Yeah. So, yeah, the captain may get a bad OER or – get fired or, and then teams aren't, might get a bad into but no, no kidding. Everything that happens on the team is your fault or your success. So you are, there is tons of pressure on the teams are and walking in and um, not wanting to expand past your comfort zone. I've talked about this in uh, the first chapter. Um, don't be scared to fall on your face. Get after it. Let, let your guys uh, go, give them the reins to run to success, give them right and left limits and an end state to shoot for, and do the same thing for yourself. You you facilitate them executing. So that, to me, if I could just go smack myself again, you know, back in 2000, late 2009, early 2010, and say, uh, hey, Sergeant Major's about to walk in here and tell you you're in charge. Huh. Listen to this, read this, do this, you know, be, be prepared to fail. Hey, so uh, I wonder if you could just exfoliate yourself a little bit because we also want to get like some of the highlights of your team starting career. Yeah, it's uh, just, yeah give us some of the dirt, yeah. Tom. Oh. Some of like uh, like your, your biggest challenges, and then the, like uh, the moments where you're like most happy, most proud, those type of things. I think the proudest moments. Let's start with that before I start just airing out my own yeah. dirty laundry here for all to hear. Um, I think the proudest moments were, uh, you know, jumping, doing a night combat jump, it, nothing fancy, static line, but the team comes together, we move so many clicks, we execute a mission, whether it be SR or a DA, or we're linking up with our partner force to go into a pre-mission training for whatever we're doing, but at the end of it, when we cracked our first, we're back in the team room, we're cleaning guns, yeah. cracking the beer doing the AAR and just the professionalism from start to finish when you, it's like proud dad moment, even, yeah. even though you made mistakes along the way, but people have quickly adapted or you made a shift in, you know, maneuvered some bodies, whatever had to happen, but just the guys drinking a beer, cleaning guns, starting to be us. So those were proud dad moments. Um, another good one. Uh, one of my prouder moments was after the Sergeant Major left and said, Hey Tom, you're in charge. Well, when I sat down with the guys and I'm like, that, the first words on my mouth is, I don't know everything. I'm going to lean on you guys. I'm, I'm not an Echo. I'm not a Delta. I'm not going to be in your business. Sorry, 18 Charlie. I was a Charlie. I definitely will be in your business. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> outside of that, I think that was another proud moment. I think I said the right thing. Yeah. On the bad side, <laughs> um, moving down the, the road, we'll, we'll call it about six months from that speech to the guys on my first, uh, first day on the job. Um, I let uh, some some BS on a J set, like I, um, without airing all the dirty laundry, without reading the book verbatim. Something happened on the J set that snapped. Like I just immediately went back to E five Kelly, that young infantry leader, just enough power, but not any information to do anything with the power. I went into dictator mode. Like I wanted to control everyone's life because I was blindsided with something stupid. And I shouldn't have let that happen. I should have learned from my mistake. Said, hey, cool, let me make some adjustments. 
no, I went straight into dictator mode. And that's, um, I think that was one of my worst moments because it lasted like six months. Like we came, we came back from that J set, started planning and going to the next one. It was actually almost a year in dictator mode and no one came up to me. I just started not having any interactions with my guys. They weren't coming to me for advice anymore. They weren't. Um, and I just tried to squeeze harder to like gain control and put my, my stamp on it. So that's I mean, my I, bad. I bad think that's easy. I think it's very easy to fall into that trap. I mean, isn't that like, I mean, yeah. that's just, that's just going right back to like we were talking about earlier, just sort of that skill level one sort yeah. of E5 mode. Yep. Got to, got to regain control of something that, um, has the, uh, feel of, of, uh, you know, disarray, and you're trying to get yeah. things back where they're, they're supposed to work. But that's not the answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you really have to kind of sit back and be the stoic and sort of the emotional intelligence and sort of like you're saying, do, go on that fact-finding and really try to figure out, okay, what do I, where do I need to go from here? Absolutely. Yeah, and that was, that was my bad moment. But my ugly moment, I've already touched on it, was being one of the boys, being promoted, and trying to lean on that status and, like, not – step back and detach and come up with that, that little speech, just that one little one liner saying, Hey guys, I, I have to detach. I'm no longer going to be one of the boys. Um, I'm going to have to make some hard decisions. And you know, it's like, yeah, we're, we're still friends. We can, we're, we're a small team. You have to know each other. You have to work with each other. You, you're going to be friends, but now I've got to step back. Like I didn't do that. So that was my ugly moment. And I think that, uh, trying to navigate as one of the boys and then letting that J-Set event trigger my inner dictator. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah, yeah so like, have it. I think obviously it's always these baby steps to failure or baby steps to success. It works both ways, right? It's all these small little things that you, you tolerate, you don't pay attention, you don't give any effort to, to try and change your thought process or your actions. And I think those things led to me snapping and just being a, a dictator for almost a year. It, now, back in back in the old days, um, we used to have, uh, you know, sort of a thriving NCO club. Uh, we used to have NCO get-togethers uh, where, uh, let's just say, for the sake of argument here, uh, sort of a team sergeant nights out, okay? Um, are those things Are those things happening – if they're not, are they necessary? Is there any value in it? Uh, how much How much interaction did you have uh, in that position, being able to bounce things off your peers and sort of grow from your from your peers? Um, I don't. I know the, the NZO club was not a thing on Fort Carson for us, and the, we did have a um, a fancy room over there in the Isofac. Uh, the regimental mess that we could go to. And sometimes the sergeant majors would bring us over there and team sergeants would sit and BS, but it was rare that something would be structured for that purpose. What I, I, I just wasn't scared to go out and ask questions. I know, I know that's one thing I can look back and say, Hey, I think I did that right. I could have done it more, but I think I did it right. Like if I had a question, I'm sitting there staring at a blank. And so we are, or I'm looking at this training concept. I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to do here? I wasn't scared to go knock on my neighbor's door. Hey, Bill around. Hey, where's Steve? Just go down the hall until I find a team sergeant. Or if I knew of a team sergeant that was super skilled with the NCOER, and be like, hey, man, I'm trying to figure out this bullet, or I got this guy that's XYZ. You've got that guy. I was not afraid to network and go out and do it. I think it just happened naturally for me, or just within the company itself. Well, and I think that's probably the way it happens in SOF. That's, that's how I remember. That's more of the way. It's more of an informal sort of... Um, you know, going to get the information when you need it. Um, because I, I think it may be impractical in soft to try to do it the way maybe a lot of the conventional units do it. Um, but is that something of value? I mean, how valuable is it to um, to have those fellow E8s around uh, or, or your E9s, you know, your superiors, whatever? I mean, in my mind and in my experience and leaning on, had those guys not been there, yeah. like, I don't know what I would have done. Because, like, I, I don't know it all. I know that for sure. I said it day one to my boys, and I knew it from for all three years as a team sergeant. I knew I didn't know everything. It was really cool towards the end when I did know some things, and people were starting to come to me with it. I was like, oh, hey, 
times have changed, but but yeah, that first year, almost two years, like I would have been lost in the sauce without five other team sergeants up and down the hallway, the sergeant major sitting down there, and then depending on the B team, every once in a while you had a, a post team sergeant E eight down there, also another good resource. So I know I didn't uh, preface this, um, you know, beforehand, but like, if you could just throw out like some pitfalls. Like, uh, just a few things like, hey, above all, do not do this. I mean, could you just, could you flesh hey, that out you I mean, like, you know, on the spot? Paul, Paul is like really into the dirt, man. I'm just, oh, yeah. just going to let you know that. Yeah. Appreciate he it, wants Paul. all the juicy stuff. I mean, you, you kind of, you mentioned that already is, uh, look, no, don't micromanage your guys. Yeah. Sure. Right. Uh, you know, be humble. Right. This is important. But then also, um, I think you what, what I'm hearing and what I've understood and from my own experiences, you got to know your guys, know what they're capable of doing, and then uh, you know, um, I mean that's one of the leadership principles is employ your team according to its capabilities, and so you uh, you, you know you're when you're uh, married up with your your captain here, you're looking at the stuff and say, can we really do this? Can this really be done? And I think one, something that I fell into, maybe this maybe this wasn't you or not, but we would say, yeah, we can do a certain thing. And we're like, not really. You know what I mean? We, we, and, and God, uh, you know, thank God we didn't fall into that because we, we could have got somebody hurt. You know, we weren't really capable of doing X, Y, Z, but we're like our ego, my ego was writing, you know, checks mm -hmm. and we couldn't cash those. So, yeah, I mean, being, yeah, it's just being real with what your team's like, capabilities are. Yeah, you know. And being in the position of team sergeant, you you know the most about the team. If you're doing it right and you've got your fingers and everything, you've got the pulse. Yeah. When the battalion commander comes down with a, you know, he's looking for uh, one ODA out of 18 to go do something that just came down the pipe. Like, it's, it's a pretty quick turnaround. You, you have to be honest. Everyone wants to go do that mission, potentially, whatever it comes down the pipe. Um, but you have to be honest with the boss. Don't put your team yeah. in a compromising position. Just, I just wanted to kind of tail off what you did right yeah. Um And I actually cover that in here. You have to be the spokesman for the team. You have yeah. to be the agree list and yeah. say to the captain, the company commander, the battalion commander, whoever shows up at your door and says, can you do this? And you have to be able to say no if it's, yeah. if it's true. Yeah, the sanity check. Or we can get there with, you know, X amount of time. Sure. That, yeah, realistically, hey, I need, this team needs six weeks, six months, two months, whatever, or I need this skill set. You have to be at the top of your head. You don't need to be able to crack a leader book and go, well, actually, I'm missing a JTAC, so you know, I can't do it. That's top of your head. You should be able to answer those. There's been, um, there's been a lot of um, negative press. I, mean, I don't know how else to say it, but there's been some some instances within uh, the soft community at large, and I'm not just talking about the Army, okay? The Navy and everyone else is yes. dealing with the same sort of issues. Um, how do you maintain, and Paul just wrote a book on this, as a matter of fact, but <laughs> how, do you, how do you as a team sergeant, right, really kind of maintain and really set the tone for, like, um, the warrior virtues, the things that are – the do's and the don'ts on that team, the things that are accepted and not accepted. How do you, how do you introduce that? How, how is that enforced? I mean, how, how are you making sure that your team is not getting themselves into a pickle? Right. Yeah. Um, I think step one, and this would be me going back and slapping myself in the face to make some different decisions and uh, not tolerate some things. It's, it's all about what you tolerate in, in my yeah. mind. Right. So every day you show up, you are, Demonstrating so by the uh, the way you act, you speak, everything you do and do not do that is you're setting the moral compass, the ethics compass, oh, yeah. however you want to do it. If you're not walking that that line, the guys will stray from it. Even if you are walking the line, some guys will try and stray from it. But that's your, you know, you just got to grab them by the neck, pull them back on the line, pull them back into the fold, or push them on to a different direction because they don't belong on your team. So. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, uh, we had uh, we had teams in first group, and I mean, you're like first group. Yeah, I know you did some <laughs> wild teams in first group. Yeah, no. but uh, you know that that one team sergeant, you know, just uh, Tech Spears for those back in the day who knows do know that guy. 
uh, I think it was 195. And uh, those guys were wild, but they knew their crap. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a wild team, you know, and maybe you know, they would do some Cobra Golds and do some stuff downrange, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they were just known that way. But, yeah, I mean, that just just reinforces the idea that, hey, you're – you're the guy that uh, sets the tone. Yep. You know, I mean, you're uh, if nobody else is going to set that tone, it's I mean, it's you. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, what you allow to happen, it's on your watch. It's like uh, yeah, and that you're the uh team daddy, you know, you're the you're the guy that's uh uh personally setting the example mm-hmm. and also you're like, "Hey, what are you going to allow to happen?" Uh, but t- yeah. tying it all together is I was had the mindset of one of the boys try to maintain it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we boogied down to South Africa. That was our first trip together with me and the seat and fantastic place to be because you can, you put in the work, you work hard, but I walked in and said, Hey, my attitude for this team is we work hard and we play hard. Well, yeah. I, I focus a little too hard on the play hard. Yeah. Just, I'm going to throw it out there. I mean, it wasn't even until the end of my team sergeant time that, like, I heard, you know, caught wind that uh, we were the party team. And I was like, what? Oh, no. At number one, <laughs> why didn't anybody come and talk to me about this? Yeah. <laughs> why am I now leaving and have no chance to rectify and, you know, get, you know yeah. ch- change course and get back, you know, right the ship or nothing? Like, I didn't know. I thought, like, I grew up, you worked hard, you played hard. So I ran yeah. the team that way. And then come to find out, I'm like, oh. That's not good. <laughs> so that's one of my big regrets is like, hey, yeah, cool. We could have gone out and, you know, after a big successful training event, yeah, sure, go go celebrate with the boys. But at some point, yeah, you got to put on the, the boss cap and relay everyone back in, herd no the cats. No doubt, no doubt. And you didn't say this earlier, but I know you would agree to it, is one of the proud moments that I had on a team is really hearing – uh, second or third hand something that somebody on my team said about me mm-hmm. and it was positive and it, you know it's kind of like hey our team started doing a good job and you know we're happy to be on the team and stuff like that and just like and you don't hear it directly from the team because they don't always say it yeah. you know but you hear about it and you're like wow that's that's good it's like hey i'm doing a good job and uh you know validate you like hey i'm you know because you don't always that's one of our mantras in SF, I think, is unwritten. Is when you, you've done the very best you can do, that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, if you wanted to get pats on the back, you should have gone somewhere else. Right. But uh, I always like to hear that. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, the, the guys want to be on the team, and they'll, they're like, they don't want to leave. Even if they get a chance to go to some other specialty team, they'll, they'll turn it down to try to stay on the team longer. Right. And uh, that, that's what really when you look at that and, you, and you're really proud of that team you got to build. And, uh, you know, you get it ready for that mission and, you know, bringing back all your guys back home alive. Oh, man, that's that's the best you can do. Yep. And and that, those little moments when you're, you know, standing around post-mission and you're cracking a cold one and you're cleaning your weapons, you know, you're dropping off your rucks. I mean, that, it's, it's a special thing. Uh, you know, the team room smells like team spirit. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's really good. And uh, I miss my – that was the pinnacle of my career. And I'm glad you wrote this book uh, because it needed to be written. I mean, that's really uh, really the long and short of it. It's like, uh, where would you go? Uh, you, would, you could crack. You could go back and look at some stuff you went through, ANOC. Uh, there's some other good books out there, but not specific for 18 Zulu. I mean, really, it you know, I don't know, one year, two years. I mean, you kind of talked about the fact that it took you a while. I mean, I, I guess the, the really the the purpose of the book is to sort of shorten this learning curve and try to get a guy yeah. you know where he needs to be, uh, so his teammates don't have to suffer through you know that that oh boy. that Isn't two that year right? learning curve right that you're talking about. So. Yeah, the, this is this is truly, yeah. I mean, you know, listen, if you're an E7, you're getting ready, to, you know, you just made E8, you're getting ready to go, you know, walk into that team room or assume command of your team. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really the handbook you need to have. Yeah. 
uh, just if you care about your guys, right? Yeah, it's the team that suffers. Every team's earned the takes over is the team that suffers because he's trying to figure it out and make it his own, put his stamp on it. But yeah. at the same time, learning all of that stuff at rapid fire, it, it just blows my mind. That's I think I'm writing this down. I don't want to mess this up. It's like, why do we expect a guy that, you know, that, hey, you just got promoted, you're taking team, you know, one, two, three, four. Cool. Why do we expect that guy? How do we expect him to excel without even giving him azimuth? Right. It's like now he's scrambling, going to other team sergeants or talking to the sergeant major or calling his old boss saying, hey, man, how'd you do it those first six months? It's like now he's got to try and figure it out while he's in the seat. I think that's ridiculous. So that's part of the motivation to get this uh, book out to the public because it pissed me off. Like just walking into a job and not – Having, it's not like I didn't expect to have all the answers. Someone just be like, hey, this is how you do it. And this book isn't that. This is just general stories, my experience, some things to focus on so you're not slapped in the face with it when you walk into the team room for the first time as the boss. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, what a, what a difference it would have made when that sergeant major came down the hallway, Tom. Is- uh, congratulations, you made eight. Um, you're in charge of the team. Here's your handbook. Yeah, I mean, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you'd have been like, okay, okay, at least I got something here. I appreciate it. Right, and just like any military manual, it's not a cover-to-cover read for every manual out there. I would refer everyone to read this cover-to-cover, but even if you just have it at the desk and you're rolling in, hey, hey it's NCOER time. Oh, Tom has a chapter on administrative stuff and a whole subchapter on and so we are. So let me read through that, get my headspace right, so I can sack this in so we are. Or deal with this situation. I know Tom wrote about it. It's in chapter three, whatever. Even if you're just going to go back and reference it later, awesome. I, I, as long as it helps one person. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's a fine read for our listeners out there. This is the Team Sergeant Handbook authored by Tom Kelly, who was a team sergeant of, what was the team? Uh, 0332. Awesome. But, uh, hey, Tom, thanks for coming on the podcast today. It was fantastic. Uh, I know I always get a lot out of our time together. Uh, For guys out there, uh, go to, uh, you know, wherever you're going to go online, uh, preferably Blacksmith Publishing, and uh, order the book. And uh, until that time we meet again, uh, you know, Team CERN's out there. I think uh, as one uh, former Team CERN, uh, I think uh, it is the most important job in group. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, so, you know, we do, we do the hard job that we do, uh, and it's, it's supposed to be tough, um, and, but it is very rewarding. Uh, so I, I appreciate uh, all the former team sergeants that are listening to this and uh, just keep doing the good stuff. Absolutely. Tom, thanks. Appreciate it. Fantastic. Uh, it's definitely going to make a difference in the future. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Pinelander Podcast. If you enjoy our unique content, please consider supporting our sponsors. Soft News, providing special operations news from around the world. It's where Paul and I go to keep abreast of what's going on within the soft community. Check them out at soft.news. Blacksmith Publishing, been serving the warrior class since 2013. They have great titles written for warriors, by warriors, If you're looking for excellent reference material or just want to unwind with a great novel, be sure to check out the bookstore located at blacksmithpublishing.com. And if you're looking for some cool Pinelander apparel, head on over to the General Store located at pinelandergeneralstore.com. That's all one word, pinelandergeneralstore.com. Have a great selection of shirts, hats, jackets, sweaters, stickers, patches, artwork, and a whole lot more. Check out the store at pinelandergeneralstore.com. If you're interested in helping develop our country's next generation of warriors, uh, please consider donating to the American Agogi Project. The mission of the project is to foster an environment producing able-bodied citizen warrior men of fine character. And we'll be officially launching the project in 2023 in celebration of uh, Blacksmith Publishing's 10th anniversary. Until our next meeting, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute.
to each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. May God continue to bless Pineland. Thank you.